As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. So I'm joined once again by Archbishop Julian for Grace and Truth. Uh, Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, Luke. Pleased to be here. Now, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is the, I guess, um, the the Vatican's doctrine center, I guess you could say, uh, just recently released a document on salvation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it, it's interesting that the uh, that this document has come out at this time. I think what has um, inspired it has been some statements by um, Pope Francis. A couple of times he has made reference to two um, ways of seeing things to uh, positions of understanding that he sees uh, inhibit a true Christian understanding of the nature of salvation. And those two are what he describes as Gnosticism and secondly, Neo-Pelagianism. So he's made reference to this, I've I've noticed, on a number of occasions. And I think uh, that has stimulated the uh, Congregation uh, for Doctrine of the Faith to to uh, respond by bringing out a document on the question of the nature of, of some aspects of the nature of salvation. The document is called this Latin title, Placuit Dei, um, it's regularly, uh, easily available now on, uh, uh, on the Vatican website. And I think it's a very useful document. It's not very long, but it's a useful document to read. Underpinning the document is the idea that at the present moment in our society, there's um, a great focus on the individual, and this is something we, we recognise. And with this, this strong focus on, on, on the individual and individualism, the rights of the individual, the, the, um, the individuals finding it, his or her own path to salvation, if you like, two kind of ancient heresies have found new expression. Now, I'm not saying they're exactly the way they were back in the, uh, the third and fourth and fifth centuries of the church, but uh, heresies have a way of re-emerging at different times because there are certain elements in the, in the particular heresy that seem to bubble up. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, the document is saying, because of the individualism of our day, we could say the ancient heresy is around the idea of Gnosticism and the ancient heresies of Neo-Pelagianism have re-emerged in our society and are, if you like, blinding people to a true understanding of the nature of, of salvation. Well, I guess let's just break it down then. So you mentioned Gnosticism and Neo-Pelagianism. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, what is Gnosticism? Yeah, Gnosticism, uh, obviously it takes different shapes at different times and there are different Gnostic movements. But to a large extent, we can say that Gnosticism is about the idea that I have private, personal uh, uh, knowledge, insights, spiritual awareness uh, that is something contained just within me. So I have... Uh, received a certain revelation or an insight or a wisdom or maybe I've had some kind of spiritual experience that has kind of created for my life a 
spiritual uh, understanding. Um, and what the document does mention is that, that Gnosticism basically, uh, if you like, cocoons a person within a spiritual reality that to a large extent cuts them off from the world. Now, I think a lot of what we've seen in the emergence of the New Age uh, in, uh, in, in Western civilization, particularly in the last 20, 30 years, is an expression of Gnosticism. People have this uh, communi- communion with some kind of spiritual reality or some kind of spiritual vision of reality that absorbs them completely to the extent that they can often uh, live in this uh, esoteric world but, but not see the, the, the sense of even participation in the, the challenges and needs of, of this world. They can often be closed to the idea of, of, of things like social justice, of concern for their neighbour, of um, even having a moral code they can, they can somehow feel that this spiritual existence is everything and I don't really need to worry. And to a certain extent, this, the body, the world is kind of like a shell that is just um, encapsulating me and preventing, preventing me or limiting my spirit, spirituality. Really, the spirituality is everything and they sometimes can have a very negative approach to the body or even to human society. So that's, I think, the sort of uh, idea that, that, that this document is referring to, particularly where the individual gets taken up into this esoteric knowledge, this spiritual communion maybe with some kind of divine reality. It can be a certain uh, sense of I'm just taken out of this world into a spiritual existence. And we would say this is very, very foreign to our Christian understanding of the nature of, of human life and the nature of the, of, of the path we are meant to take to salvation. Yeah. What about Neo-Pelagianism? Um, so it's quite a mouthful, <laughs> that <laughs> word. It is. Um, what, what's that about? Yeah, that, that's, that's uh, I think, a very, very interesting phenomenon. It's related back, it's called Neo-Pelagianism, but, but in the basic uh, word uh, comes from the name of a priest, uh, a, Ro- a priest in Rome in, in the, the 5th century called Pelagius. Now, Pelagius developed the view that we can basically save ourselves by the quality of our, of our life, of, particularly of our moral life. And, and, and it was largely the idea that, that if I educate myself and maybe even discipline myself, and if I really set about living a good life, then um, that'll be the way to salvation. It was, to a large extent, what we would say today, it's, it's salvation through good works. So if I do good things, and I think this is something which is kind of quite prevalent among many Catholics, uh, this sense of, well, uh, I should lead a good life, and if I do that, then God will reward me with heaven. And, and, and so out of this comes a sense that Christianity is all about good works. Christianity is all about 
in, in, in the modern world about engagement, say, with social justice. So if I'm doing these things, if I'm devoting myself to, to, um, to good things, then I will earn salvation. Uh, the, the, the difficulty here is simply that it is all my own effort. Again, it reflects the individualism. And along with it goes a certain sense that, that I should realise my best self, my best potential. Now, Pelagianism in one sense was, was good in the sense it was pursuing um, the, the development of the moral life and so forth. But of course, what it does do, it just eliminates the need of a saviour. Why did Christ come? Apart from, obviously, he taught us some, some good things about how we should live morally. But what's the meaning of his death and resurrection? The man who particularly uh, was concerned about the spread of Pelagianism in his own day was St. Augustine. And he wrote very vigorously uh, in opposition to this. I think largely because his own experience was such that he was, he was engaged in, these, in Manichaeism and in various other movements of the day which had this kind of a certain moral emphasis, but he discovered that in the end it was faith in Christ that sent him on a path of salvation. So the fact that this has been raised today by the Sacred Congregation for, for the Doctrine of Faith I think is very important because what's reminding us, I think, is that within the church and, and, and around the outside of the church, Many people have a confused understanding of the nature of salvation. They've, they've either seen it as something which is highly esoteric and, and highly personalised uh, spiritual experience, which is kind of dismissed, if you like, the incarnation, or it has become a salvation which I achieve myself, particularly through my own efforts and my, my desire for self-realisation, realising my potential, doing good things with my life and, to a large extent, ignoring uh, the crucifixion of Christ and, and the, what Christ did for us on, on Calvary. So just continuing, I guess, um, fr from that point that you've just made there, what exactly is the orthodox, the, the right Christian way of, of approaching salvation? We know that it's not about our own personal uh, striving and journey to this, as you say, esoteric knowledge. Um, and it's not about our own personal striving again uh, for, for moral purity or something like that out of our own efforts. What then is the, the real way um, of, of salvation? One way I could approach this is, is uh, <clears throat> to refer to something that uh, sometimes you hear people from Protestant churches asking of Catholics, and often it can kind of confuse Catholics a bit as to know how to answer. They say, are you saved? And, uh, and Catholics often kind of, how should I answer that? And, it's, and sometimes the Protestants have the idea that uh, the salvation is a definitive moment, you know, there's their moment of conversion and so on. Uh, and that can create problems as well. However, just from the Catholic viewpoint, one way we could explain it, which I think does encapsulate the essence of Catholic teaching about nature of salvation, is to say that I have been saved by the death of Christ on, on Calvary. That was an act of redemption, an act of atonement. That was the moment in which God reconciled humanity with himself and, if you like, opened up 
the path of salvation for human beings. So we have been saved by the death of Christ on Calvary. Then we can say, I am being saved. Salvation is an ongoing process. Now, salvation does mean that we work it out, as St Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, in fear and trembling. We need to be committed to it. And part of that is leading a good, holy life. The disciplines connected with that, exercise of charity to our neighbour and so on. So it's been worked out. However, it's been worked out with the assistance of the grace of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is about allowing the saving work of God to be effective within us by the action, the inspiration, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So we are being saved uh, through life by the action of the Holy Spirit and our own cooperation with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And then I will be saved, not because I've earned it, not because I've deserved it, not that I can go up to the pearly gates and say, well, let me in, look at my track record. (laughs) I've, I've done all these good things. I'm entitled to eternal life. No, we can never make that uh, presumption that I've deserved it or earned it or expect it. All I can do is, is rely upon God's mercy because in the end, eternal life is a gift. In the end, eternal life is God uh, in his mercy because we'll never be holy enough to be in the presence of God. But God in his mercy will grant us a place in his kingdom. So We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We we have been saved by Christ, we are being saved by the Holy Spirit, we will be saved by the Father. The Trinity, if you like, will be uh, engaged in the work of our salvation. That's awesome. Um, I'd have to say I'm pretty glad that I don't live in the 5th century or in the 1st or 2nd centuries and that I live in the 21st century because... I would, put, you know, if not not for the grace of God, I'd be flying off in all these directions because <laughs> we we are weak human beings. So it's fantastic that that we live at a time when you know when we've had so much. We're standing on the shoulders of giants, you know that that we've had um, people like Saint Augustine, people like Saint John, um, you know, people down the centuries who have been able to articulate why. It would seem these these fallen tendencies that we have to go flying off in these extreme directions are not compatible with the reality um, of Jesus Christ. Um, did you have any final thoughts, I guess, uh, on this topic? Maybe I can make one more comment, which is important because it's contained in the, the last section of the document, Plakwit Dei, um, because it, it talks about, I, I think, a very important element it's largely talking about it because of this focus on individualism. Because in both these cases, in the Gnosticism and Neo-Pelagianism, people don't need the church. And salvation is actually something mediated to us through the church. So we, we don't just go on an individual path to salvation. We actually are part of a people that is being saved. And so the, the document uh, spends a, a, the last section of it emphasising the importance of the church, that we are part of God's people, we're part of a, of a people who are being saved, being raised up by God. And in particular it talks about the sacramental life. That, that, and the beauty of the sacramental life is it contains the two elements that each of these heresies reject. For the Gnostics, sacramental life is 
built around sacraments which have uh, a, a particular reality to them, bread, wine, water, oil. You know, we use human uh, realities uh, in the sacraments. So the sacraments ground us in, uh, in our humanity and use uh, elements of the world to be instruments of our salvation. So it, 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 it's, it's a counteraction to Gnosticism. It's also a counteraction to um, Neo-Pelagianism in the sense that it says that, that the sacraments are means of grace. We come, we, we come, say, to the sacrament of penance because we know we need forgiveness and, and, and we, we need the grace of God to, uh, to help us overcome our own individual struggles and difficulties. You know, each of the sacraments are the means by which the second element of the action of the Holy Spirit is made real in the, in the Christian life. So the, the sacramental dimension of the church is, if you like, the antidote to these two uh, heretical tendencies. And so a Catholic firstly identifies themselves as a member of the church and, and grounds themselves in the life of the church, particularly in living uh, the, uh, the sacramental life and in living within the environment of, of parish communities. We, we rub shoulders with our brothers and sisters. We recognise we don't just have a private individual path of, to salvation, but we do it as part of the people, we do it as part of the church. And so I, I think that last element, uh, of, of, which is part of the genius of Catholicism, is actually the great antidote to these, these two tendencies. Wonderful. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. And, um, and yeah, we'll, um, we'll wrap it up there. So, um, listeners, join us next time uh, for the next episode of Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. Thank you, Grace. Thank you very much, Luke. You have been listening to Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.